0: Welcome to Clear Thinking, a GPS for the Christian mind, teaching you how to think, not just what to think. This is Joe Aguirre with theologian and philosopher Kenneth Samples and physicist Dave Rogstad. On today's podcast, What Does the Holy Spirit Do and What Are His Personal Qualities? Ken will discuss those in this podcast, part two of two of Putting the Spotlight on the Holy Spirit. And Ken, maybe by way of refresher for those who uh, need one from the last podcast, let us know what you covered and what we can look forward to today.
1: Yes, um, I want to encourage our listeners to get your Bible out because I want to look carefully at uh, Scripture, the biblical basis uh, for the Holy Spirit being a divine person. Uh, divine meaning that the Spirit is equal to both the Father and the Son, and that He's a person and What's interesting, I think, and I shared a little bit of this in our previous program, uh, the Holy Spirit is called the shy member of the Trinity. Uh, again, his humility, he's always deflecting attention to, to the Son uh, and to the Father. But I, I think we have a we have a contrast in church history. Back in the patristic era, this is the era of the church fathers, uh, there was controversies initially were about the Trinity and Christology, but the personhood of the Holy Spirit and the, and the divinity of the Holy Spirit came a bit later. So it's the fourth century with Basil the Great and others that talk about uh, the Holy Spirit. But one of the points I made previously was this, that today uh, evangelicals, I think, focus on the Son. Uh, Pentecostals focus on the Spirit, maybe the Orthodox focus uniquely on the Father. Now, of course, they they affirm all of those groups, the Evangelicals, Pentecostals, and Orthodox have affirm a full Trinitarian uh, perspective, but it's interesting that certain things are are focused. And I think with the doctrine of the Trinity, we want to be able to uh, speak of all three of the persons, and focused. And uh, Joe and Dave, I think one of the things that will be uh, straightforward in this program is that the Holy Spirit is likely unappreciated. He is involved in so many aspects uh, that it that it really is important. So in the previous show, we focused on uh, the Spirit being divine, talking about the Spirit and the Trinity. We talked about His personhood, And in the second program, we're going to spend a bit more time talking about uh, the Holy Spirit being a divine person and the actions that the Spirit is involved with.
0: Wonderful. Well, as you mentioned, we should have our Bibles ready to go because you've got some scripture to lay out as well.
1: That's exactly right. And, And the first point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit performs the works of God. He performs the works of God. Uh, Here, I'm going to take you back to the first uh, book of the Bible, the first chapter of the Bible. I'm going to take you to Genesis 1-2, which reads, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Isn't that interesting? Right at the moment of creation, you have the Holy Spirit, and the idea hovering— uh, later, it, it kind of conveys the analogy that just as a hen would would hover and protect the chicks, this gives the idea that the Holy Spirit is hovering over creation, kind of uh, sustaining it. And this leads us to a very important point about the Trinity. When one member of the Trinity, when one person of the Trinity is involved in an act, then all three are involved in the act. Now, uh, usually one of the members of the Trinity, one of the persons of the Trinity, is the primary agent in an act, but then the other two serve as co-agents. And so we could say, for example, that uh, the Father is the primary agent in creation, but the the Son and the Spirit, they are co-agents. Uh, So when one person of the Godhead is involved in an act, then all three persons are involved in that act. And um, again, I think that's part of an argument for the deity of the Son and the Spirit. They couldn't be involved in the works that are only true of God unless they were and are God. So let's, let's go a bit further here. The Holy Spirit performs the works of God. What's interesting here is we have the divine breath in creation. So in, uh, in Psalm 33, 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. So I find this fascinating that Scripture talks about God creating the universe, by the word of his power, or breathing it out. And I, and I think the imagery there should convey the idea that the universe, the cosmos, it is completely and utterly dependent upon God, that, that God breathed it, that God, God spoke, and the universe came to be, the cosmos came to be. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Well, that idea of breath is tied to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let me transition from Genesis 1 to now Genesis 2. Uh, And again, we're talking about the divine work of the Spirit, and this is the context of the breath. In Genesis 2-7, we read this, then the Lord, then the Lord God, uh, the Hebrew would be Yahweh Elohim, uh, the English translation puts LORD in all caps, so we know it's Yahweh. Then Yahweh Elohim uh, formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Again, the Holy Spirit is associated with this divine breath uh, that God breathes, and uh, we see it explicitly in my next example so god breathes out or speaks the universe god breathes out and human uh, the human being becomes a living person but here's another example divine breath in the inspiration of scripture and i want to read two passages for this the first one is 2 timothy 3:16 which <clears throat> excuse me is a very critical point in terms of the authority of scripture but Paul in 2 Timothy 3:16 says all scripture <clears throat> all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. All scripture is god breathed. Theopneustos is the Greek. Breathed out by god. It's interesting. He breathes out the universe. He he breathes out Adam. He breathes out the scripture. And in 2 Peter 1.21, it says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there in creation. The Holy Spirit is in the creation of the universe and of man. And now the biblical text, Uh, it is, is breathed out by the Holy Spirit. So, creation in Psalm 33, six; human beings in Genesis 2.7, scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, the Holy Spirit is involved in, in these great and uh, wonderful actions. Guys, let me pause for a moment, see if you have any questions or, or comments as we continue to move forward.
0: Uh, yeah, just a comment. When God exhales, big things happen.
1: (laughs) That's, you know, that's exactly right. In fact, it leads me to a, uh, I want to share a little story with you and then a quotation. You know, this idea of breath and heartbeat. Um, uh, A few months ago, I had an illness and uh, I was taken to the hospital and they, my doctor uh, wanted me to stay the night in the hospital because my blood pressure was high and um they they wanted to check my my breathing and they wanted to check my heartbeat because they're trying to figure out what's what what's what is bothering Ken here so uh, I had to breathe in and uh they put strapped me down, checking my heart and all of these kinds of things. Well, I remembered a quotation uh from one of my favorite uh, uh, biblical aids. This is from the Handbook of, of Basic Bible Text. It's, uh, it, is, uh, it is written by John Jefferson Davis, a conservative Presbyterian. If, if, if any of you know me, uh, I usually have my Bible and I have the Handbook of Basic Bible Texts. I carry them around. Well, uh, there's a quotation uh, here uh, the the uh, verse that's quoted is Revelation 4.11. And so it says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they were created and have their being. Now, here's the uh, interpretation that uh, that Davis gives. He says, in every breath, in every heartbeat, we are dependent upon god for our very life and being this realization leads not only to humility on the part of the creature but rightfully to a cause of praise and worship to the creator well when i was laying in the hospital bed i was thinking to myself man my breathing is a little fragile right now and they're a little bit concerned about my heart and i thought you know what if if it's not for the lord uh, I wouldn't have a breath. And if it weren't, if without the Lord, I wouldn't have a heartbeat. And, you know, we kind of take things for granted in that kind of context The God spoke or breathed out the universe. He spoke or breathed out human beings. He, the Holy Spirit's breath inspired the, the biblical text. And uh, you don't know how long that you don't know how long you're going to have the breath you don't know how long you're going to have that heartbeat and i was thinking uh man human beings are fragile uh and notice that we associate uh ill health when people can't breathe properly uh you know problems of of the heart and i thought man i'm i'm totally dependent upon uh, upon god and i i should do more in conveying that idea you know yeah. Don't take your good health for granted. Uh, The next breath or the next heartbeat isn't guaranteed, and it's given by God. Yeah. All right, now let's talk a bit more here. Uh, We're talking about the Holy Spirit's uh, personal qualities, uh, personal attributes, if you will. Uh, We talked a little bit about the breath of God. Let's look at some of the Uh, attributes or qualities that the Spirit has. And here I'm going to John 16. Notice that John 14, 15, and 16 talks a lot about the Spirit, talks a lot about the Trinity. John's gospel is such an important part of the four gospels. John 16, 7 says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I, if I go, I will send him to you. Well, the Holy Spirit is described as the, the comforter. He is described as the counselor. Uh, why in the world would it, would it be to the advantage of the church that Jesus go away? He says, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Holy Spirit, now now recognize Jesus is the God-man, through his humanity, he is located there in, in Israel, through his deity, he is everywhere present, but he says that the Spirit is going to come, and so that Spirit is going to come upon the church, and it's going to move that church throughout the world. Uh, so again, I make a point we made in the previous class. If the Holy Spirit were an energy or a force or a power, if the Holy Spirit were in it, he wouldn't be on the same level as the person of the Son. But uh, Jesus says, you're, gonna, you're not going to be disappointed when I go away. It's to your advantage. And I think clearly they're, they're pointing to Pentecost, right? Mm-hmm. That's when the church is going to explode, it's it's going to come forward, and so, the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. The Holy Spirit is the Counselor. His name can mean uh, Advocate. Um, that's that is so interesting. The Holy Spirit is is involved in that. Now I can take you to another passage. Again, the Spirit's personal qualities. This is First Corinthians chapter two, verse thirteen, where Paul writes this. He says, "And we impart this in words." Not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The Holy Spirit teaches us the faith. Now, I think it's great when we have good Bible teachers, and evangelicalism, by and large, has has had good Bible teachers and has good Bible teachers, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit speaks in scripture and it and it teaches. Uh, it it conveys the idea, and so Dave, a a point you made in our previous show is very important. We should recognize that we have the ultimate teacher, the Holy Spirit, and the means of that teaching is the Word of God, and we can go to Him, we can ask for wisdom, uh, we should be praying as, as we read Scripture, and so again, we start to see that the Holy Spirit has personal qualities. Uh, he's not like a radar being. He's not an it. He's not an impersonal force. It's a who. I like to describe the Trinity in philosophical terms as one what and three who's. Uh, whatness in philosophy relates to metaphysics. What's the nature? What's the essence? Well, there's only one essence. There's only one nature. There's only one God. But in terms of the who the personhood, the subsistence, it's three. So there is a, a unity of divinity and a um, distinction of personhood. One God in three persons.
2: I'd like to make just one comment. You know, um, with young Christians, you know, certainly myself as well, when I was first a Christian, Um you look at the passage like this: Jesus saying that it's going to be better for you if I leave, and and your Holy Spirit will come. But but in the various uh, situations you find yourself as a person, you wished you had Jesus to talk to. You know, you want you want someone there that you can have a conversation with. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like the Holy Spirit functions in that way. And so the the puzzle is in in what you know, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? And you said something critically important a, a moment ago, and that is that the Holy Spirit speaks through his word, yeah. through the Word of God. and if if we don't have our nose in the book, we're not hearing what the Holy Spirit might want to say. Yeah. and and the, and the way that he speaks, I, I'm just giving, my course, my own personal experience here, and I'm sure everybody can maybe say it differently, but to me, one of the first things that happened when I became a Christian, when I accepted the Lord Jesus into my life as my Lord, is my motivation changed. I was suddenly motivated to do things that I hadn't done before, like read the Word, Yeah, and I was suddenly not motivated to do some of the things that i wanted to get away from yeah. i wanted to get free from and i think that's the fundamental thing that happens is that our motivation changes when the holy spirit comes into our life and then he he it's sort of an intuitive experience of you just you know something is right or you know something is wrong intuitively uh, but but confirmed and and stimulated by the study of his word, you know, uh,
1: Dave, a couple things I appreciate your comments very much. I know, uh, uh my pastor uh, at the Anglican church, his title is Rector, he says you need to keep your nose in the book and your knees on the ground. <laughs> um, good, you know, when you think about the Holy Spirit, uh, he's the one that breathed out scripture. Uh, and as we study and we think, we want to be careful interpreting Scripture. We want to look at the the context. We want to look at the word's meaning. Um, you know, the, the book is a book after all, and it has to be interpreted. But I think it's helpful for us to say, uh, Holy Spirit, you you breathed out this word. Help me, help me ha- to have the mind and the heart to be able to understand and and to think about these things. And if I can bring a very practical component to all of this, one of the things that attracts me so much to the Trinity is that I believe human beings, uh, and I, I believe today, especially, there is an epidemic of loneliness. And, you know, when you're suffering, uh, I recently had a, a difficult period. I I was hurting and, you uh, I was thinking to myself, Dave, that very thing. Uh, I thought, you know, I wish I had Jesus right here, the Holy Spirit right here, to talk to him. Well, I I had to rise above uh, my circumstance, and I had to realize that, uh, look, God God is like a family, and that's that's one of the fundamental differences between Christianity and Judaism, or Christianity and Islam with with the triune God, they're a family, and they can be, they are love. The Father is the lover, the Son is the beloved, the Spirit is the love they share, and we're adopted into that family. And I remember being very, uh, very, I, I was hurting, and I was thinking, Lord, um, how can I relate the, the struggle I'm having, the suffering I'm having, my little cross, Lord Jesus, how can I relate it to your big cross? And so the idea of the Trinity, uh, and a- anyone who knows me knows how I like to bring people's attention to it, uh, is because we do have a God of love. We do have a God that we we can relate to. Um, and, uh, you know, again, when you're going through suffering, look, the, probably the biggest objection that skeptics have about Christianity is, what about all this pain in the world? Pain, suffering. Uh, Where can God be? But we see that the three members of the Trinity, they relate to us in that way. Well, let's move on. The Holy Spirit comforts John 16. The Holy Spirit teaches 1 Corinthians 2. Now back to to John again, 16, but this time, verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, Jesus is speaking, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the second person of the Trinity, the the son says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Uh, The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. He comforts us. He teaches us. Um, Jesus says it's good that I go away. It's to your advantage. Well, how could it be to the advantage if the son, if the Spirit is inferior to the Son? He's not. And I, I think what we should see is the Spirit's going to come on the whole church. the 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 church is no longer going to be there in Judea. It's going to spread and it's going to spread by the power of the of the Holy Spirit. Here's another one, Acts 13 two, uh, when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, we looked at this in the previous show, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit comforts, teaches, the Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit speaks, and the Holy Spirit speaks in the context of deity. Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks on behalf of God. So again, we're Seeing this idea that uh, the Holy Spirit is the divine person, well, I'm going to introduce you to a to a, a few more here. Acts fifteen twenty eight, um, it says, "For it has seemed it for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements." So, when the apostles uh, were conveying. Uh, truth to the church, uh, they were given uh, decisions from the Holy Spirit. Now, now of course, one point I want to make, and I, I think it's an important one, I don't think we should draw the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is going to relate to us living now in the same exact way that the Spirit related to the apostles. I simply am saying that we are not apostolic authors. We are not apostles. We don't have that office of being the instrument of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit breathes out the scripture. The apostles in their human minds uh, write it out. But I think we have the second best thing. Uh, Yeah, we're not going to produce scripture, and we won't have uh, God's revelation breathed out. So I'm sorry, Joseph Smith's revelation or uh, the revelation of uh, Ellen White or anything else that they can't compare with Scripture. Um, and but we have the second best thing. He, he can guide us. He can teach us by using uh, God's Word. And if I can go further, Romans 8:26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words so the holy spirit interprets and brings our prayer before the throne of the father now i don't know about you i have a i i identify one of my real weaknesses in my christian life is i feel like i i have i have an underdeveloped prayer life i I believe deeply in prayer and I have a lot of I, I try to play pay special attention, particularly when people are sick or hurting. I think I learned that lesson when I was ill back in 2003. but I, I don't sometimes I don't know what to pray. Uh, somebody has cancer, uh, somebody has going through a divorce, uh, somebody has financial problems. I don't always know exactly what to pray. And I say, Holy Spirit, um, teach me, guide me, help me. Right. Here's one more: the Spirit's personal qualities, Ephesians 4:30. And this, this should take us to step back for a moment. It says, "And we and and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Um. Our actions, our attitudes, our sinfulness, it can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, he can't be grieved if he's a radar beam. He's a divine person, and our actions anger God, our actions hurt God uh, in the context that God is infinitely holy and just and and good, and um, Again, I, I think the point that I really want to underscore for our listeners is the idea that when you are engaging in prayer in Bible study, you know, kind of these fundamental things of a, of a spiritual life, you know, you want to spend time in God's word, you want to spend time praying, you want to spend time witnessing, well, the Holy Spirit is involved in all of that. And I want you. I want our listeners to feel comfortable. You know, um, maybe when I'm witnessing, I say, "I say, Holy Spirit, you are the one that convicts hearts. You are the one that spoke the word of God, breathed it into existence. Um, give me guidance. Give me direction." And so, I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable with their Trinitarianism, though. Sometimes I think it's possible to kind of have a practical Christian life where you function as a Unitarian. You know, I think I here at RTB I, I try to encourage people mention the Father, Son, and Spirit in your prayers. If you you know if it's if if it's an act that involves the Spirit or the Father uniquely or the Son, um, you know, feel free to mention the names of God. Let me pause, question, comment, before we move on.
0: You know, there
2: is one other comment, too, about uh, earlier in the program, you spoke about how the Holy Spirit has uh, been emphasized a lot in recent days. But when you, a lot of the uh, Holy Spirit um, teaching and and experiences that people speak about are very noisy, and it doesn't sort of jive with the the Holy Spirit being this shy person, not calling attention to himself, but calling attention to Christ and to the Father. And I, I just think that's an issue that people have to recognize, that a lot of what goes as supposedly the work of the spirit in my mind is not necessarily the work of the spirit
1: you know you know I was thinking about that just last night I was thinking uh is the holy spirit an introvert um <laughs> and yet you make the point that often in our in our modern world where sometimes a pentecostal approach to spirituality is kind of um Loud,
2: noisy, Noisy,
1: noisy—maybe the right word. Again, no picking on my Pentecostal Charismatic friends. I love them, and uh, I've learned a lot uh, from their spirituality. Um, But I I think you make an interesting point, and and that is uh, the spirit is always willing to defer. And uh, for those of us who struggle with pride, which I think is all of us. You know, I we want our. Hey, I want I want to be up here. Uh, the Holy Spirit is happy to draw people's attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's uh, let's look at another area, and this area is a very important area. It's the Holy Spirit's work in salvation. Because we talk about Jesus as our Savior, and of course He is. I mean, when the Witnesses knock at my door, I take them to the Old Testament where it says Jehovah alone is the Savior. Then I take them to the New Testament and say, here it says Jesus is the Savior. Well, if, if, if only Jehovah is a Savior, and if Jesus saves, then Jesus must be Jehovah. The Holy Spirit is at, is at work in our salvation. So when we talk about Jehovah, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sends the Son into the world. He commissions the Son on the cross says it's finished, the Holy Spirit applies it. So notice here in John 16:8, again, notice John 14, 15, and 16, a lot of Trinitarian elements here. John 16:8, when he comes, the Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts people of their sins. Uh, I know when I first came to faith, I was convicted, Um, and as a Christian, when I sin, I feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit. A person can only become a Christian by repenting, and the Spirit is involved in that, but the Spirit is also involved in our sanctification, right? Um, Justification is uh, justificare is the Greek term. We are declared righteous, it's a legal context. In Protestant theology and Reformation theology, we distinguish between justification and sanctification. Don't separate them, but we distinguish between them. Where sanctification is that process where the Holy Spirit is making us righteous, is working in our life. Um, So Jesus says, when he, the Spirit comes, he'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us. Another aspect of salvation, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ. John 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You you see, here here is a point that I think is so important. You can't have Jesus without the Father and the Son. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you can't have uh, the Son without the Father and the Spirit. Uh, he's the spirit anointed Son of the Father. So he's anointed just like just like the Messiah. He was the anointed one, anointed by the Spirit, but he's the Son of the Father. But it says, when the Advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, a Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he'll testify about me. Notice that the Spirit convicts of sin. Notice that the Spirit says, Jesus, the Savior, Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ, right? Okay, now we go to a great point here. It's the Holy Spirit that regenerates hearts. Titus 3.5, one of my favorite passages, he saved us, God, saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You know, to have a regenerated heart, to move from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, to be born again, to be given everlasting life, it. It happens through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So again, when I think about evangelism, when I think about my friends, family members uh, who don't know the Lord, I ask, Lord, um, could the Holy Spirit work here in that process of regeneration? And again, I want to make a theological point that I've made before, and that is how could the Holy Spirit be so intimately involved in salvation and not be God? Because we're told explicitly that God is the one who saves us. So the regeneration. A uh, couple more here, but I want to pause and see if you guys want to jump in here. A lot of, lot of theological content we're talking about.
0: Yeah, it's just great to see it laid out in Scripture. How many times have we read these things and not had them come to our attention the way that you're bringing in them to us now. It's just great to see this and gives you appreciation. Many of us have had conversion experiences in our lives. Well, it's not anything we did. We look back and it was the Holy Spirit who did all that. So it gives us reason to worship him as well.
2: Let me uh, throw in a comment too. Uh, in a previous show, you um, encouraged us to look at a book uh, that was written by a uh, author, Gene Veith, It was called yeah. uh, "Loving God with All Your Mind." Yeah. And uh, I picked that book up and I read it. Very good book, by the way. I highly encourage others to to read that as well. But in that book, there was one place that I was particularly struck by an observation he made, and that was had to do with morality, righteousness. And what he said was that uh, in today's world, there is kind of a social morality as distinct from a personal morality, and that people think that they can get away with uh, just about anything in their personal moral life as long as they have a social morality, as long as they are concerned about justice and and the poor and 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 which are good things, of course. but but uh, y- you can do all of those things, and yet God is not going to be impressed because he's going to look at your personal life and ask whether what kind of morality did you have in your personal life? And I was reminded of that in this previous uh, comment that you made about how the Holy Spirit is gonna come and prove the world to be wrong about sin, wrong about righteousness, and wrong about judgment. And I just uh, saw that in a new light as you shared that, as a a way in which to express what Gene Veith is in this book, uh, Loving God With All Your Mind.
1: Yeah, Veith, a, a Lutheran literary scholar, um it talks a lot about the importance of the mind i i think your point there dave is very powerful yesterday um, i was talking with george heraxen and and some uh leaders from uh, uh rtb uh uh asia pacific uh, along with uh uh a a break off in Africa, there there are people who are developing an RTB Africa, but we were talking about the difficulty that arises when when Christians are perceived as being hypocrites with a capital H. And what I mean by that is I think all Christians are hypocrites with a lowercase h, meaning that we all sin, and none of us love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. Uh, none of you, none of us have ever done it for a day. I wonder if I've done it for 15 minutes. But, you know, uh, all of us are hypocrites in that we need to confess our sins, we need to repent of them. But then there's this bigger problem of of hypocrisy with a capital H where people live dual lives. A number of years ago, I wrote a blog article, Joe. I'll bet you remember it. Do we have three lives? One. Uh, South American authors suggested that people have three lives. They have a public life, a private life, and a secret life, Uh, Mm. public life. They see you at work. They see you in the the context of uh, your public engagement. Then you have a private life that you usually only share with maybe close friends and family. But then there's the secret life. And maybe uh, nobody knows what that is. And... um, that secret life is is not secret to God. that secret life is not secret to the Holy Spirit. And thus, Dave, to your point, how important it is that integrity has to run through all that, that we have to confess our sins, we need to recognize that uh, sin hurts our reputation, it damages our relationship. And so, you know, that's very important. Um, I I think that idea of a public life, a private life, a secret life, but nothing secret to the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go a bit further here. Still got some good content to cover before our our time gets away from us. Um, Another point is that the Holy Spirit enables a person to confess Christ as Lord. Wow, 1 Corinthians 12.3. Paul says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is this is loaded. Um, you know, whenever I hear someone blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ, uh, it bothers me, it hurts me, and I usually respond with Jesus is Lord. Um, well, if you're a believer uh, and you're filled with the Spirit, you're not going to say, Jesus, be cursed. But then look at that other one. To, to be able to say Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit has to do something within you. So I don't think, and, and i probably get some pushback here theologically, but I don't think we should think of, you know, I get up in the morning and I take a shower and I brush my teeth and I comb my hair. I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. I go to work. That confessing of Jesus, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a unique work of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, how am I able to confess Jesus as Lord? My confession of Jesus as Lord and Savior is, is dependent upon the Spirit of God. So. That's why I think, you know, he's underappreciated. I mean, the Spirit's doing a lot of work, and he doesn't get a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holy Spirit baptizes believers into Christ, Acts 1.5, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to baptize you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19, The Holy Spirit indwells the believer, Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Wow. Uh, The Holy Spirit uh, indwells us. The, The Holy Spirit lives within us. We are not our own. We belong to the Lord. That can comfort us when we feel pain, when we suffer Uh, when we're going through difficulties, but it can also convict us. Uh, Maybe I'm engaged in activity uh, with my body that I should not be engaged with, maybe of a sexual nature, for example, but that's not my body. That's the Lord's. And then the Holy Spirit empowers the believer's witness. Acts 6, 9, and 10 Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freemen, and then the passage goes on, and then Luke writes this, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So the Spirit enabled Stephen to speak. I don't think the Spirit enables me to speak the way that the apostles spoke. I recognize a distinction But I certainly believe that I should call on the Lord, and particularly the Holy Spirit, to empower me to to speak. Um, It's easy to kind of think apologetics is all about the head. And we forget that a person coming to God is a spiritual event. Their their heart has to be changed. The light has to go on. Uh, the, The will has to be inclined. How much the Holy Spirit is involved. And and again, think think of those things. Uh, The Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ, the Holy Spirit regenerates heart. He enables people to confess the name of Jesus, he baptizes, he indwells, and now he empowers the witness. Um, You know, sharing your faith uh, can be challenging at times but we can ask the spirit to guide us to help us we can ask the holy spirit to guide and and to to direct our our apologetic emphasis and one more point then we'll do a little uh, summation here uh the holy spirit's work in salvation also involves our sanctification because he develops fruit in the believer and here, of course, I'm thinking about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5:22 and 23. Paul says, "But the fruit of the spirit, not fruits, but fruit, singular. So these elements are kind of, they kind of have a unity to them, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy and peace. Love, joy and peace." Uh, that's, that's what the spirit can give us. Uh, That's our relationship with God, love, joy, and peace. Then it kind of shifts to, to, uh, I I should put it this way, love, joy, and peace is within us. Then it says forbearance or patience, kindness, and goodness, Uh, that's toward others. And then it says um, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control toward God. And Paul says, against such things, there is no law. So the Spirit is active in our salvation, um, both in regeneration and and developing our sanctification. And um, I think the Holy... Guys, I think the Holy Spirit is unappreciated. I think Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit can be underestimated. And um, again, I, I... want to give you a time to ask a question or make a comment before I before I give some references for further study
2: sometimes i um puzzle over people who claim to be christians and have the holy spirit and they seem to get away with a lot of things that i can't get away with <laughs> when the holy spirit convicts you convicts me I, you know, I, I have to humble myself and confess and and acknowledge when I've done wrong. But I look at some of the other people and I just think, how do they get away with it? Does, doesn't the Holy Spirit convict them like he does me? <laughs> well, you know,
1: love is uh, love, joy, and peace. If, if uh, since we're right with God, since we are children of God, we've been adopted, we've been Acquitted, uh, Jesus has made a a sacrifice that, and His blood has cleansed our sins. Therefore, we can we can love and we can be joyful and peaceful because we're reconciled with God. But that sanctification pro- process is long and it's challenging and it's difficult. Um, and you know, it, it, there's no doubt that. There is a struggle, and i I like I wish non-Christians who observe Christians could recognize how far uh, God has taken them and not just look at you know the times that they're not loving or you know not caring and uh, so, yeah, we want to be tight with the Holy Spirit. we want we have we have allies, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. and yeah, uh, and I see this in the art of the church i I love church art i I like traditional churches. Uh, I mentioned in my church, there is a stained glass window with the spirit reflected as a dove and then as fire I I always go by it and just look at it and uh, think about the Holy Spirit. Joe, any last comments?
0: Uh, No, I I suppose I could say just uh, hearing these last two podcasts uh, that uh, I probably have been underappreciating the Holy Spirit and especially seeing all these Bible verses really hit you upside the head. Dave mentioned one of them that he saw in A New Light. It's just great to see all this. And there's there's just a... The Holy Spirit's been busy for a long time. Maybe that's the way to put it. Not just the last 2,000 years, but as you mentioned in the previous one, at, at creation as well. So uh we need to appreciate his work more and embrace him in our lives and allow him to continue his sanctifying work.
1: I love to say that the, that the Father has given us the two great gifts. He's given us his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's given us his spirit, who is our helper and our comforter. A couple books. Um, I write about the Holy Spirit in the context of the Trinity in my book, A World of Difference and Without a Doubt, which are uh, the first two books that I wrote as a soul author. But I want to recommend books that focus uh, distinctly on the spirit. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson, very good Fine Reformed theologian wrote the book *The Holy Spirit*, and then Michael Green, who was a charismatic, uh, wrote *I Believe in the Holy Spirit*, and that comes directly from the creed, the Apostles' Creed. That third uh, section, *I Believe in the Holy Spirit*, and uh, uh, Michael Green really has always blessed me with his writings and his his devotion. So, some good works to to follow there in terms of resources.
0: Great, thank you for those recommendations. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you are enjoying uh, Clear Thinking and you're passing along the link to others. And uh, let you let us know your comments. You can reach out to Ken via Twitter at RTB underscore K Samples. We'll be glad to read your comment here and give you a shout out. So, uh, Ken, some people have been reaching you. Um, in fact, regarding Without a Doubt, since you mentioned that, here are a couple of people who've expressed appreciation for it. It says, uh, Without a Doubt is a game changer, an amazing reference. That's from Dave Anderson. Mm-hmm. And another one I've used Without a Doubt as a resource many times. That's from Francis Salerco. So thank you for uh, sending those comments in. And we appreciate your uh, reading Ken's resources. I get the fun of editing them when you write a book, Ken, of being a part of the editorial team. And I'm sure you as author appreciate hearing uh, these notes being uh, passed along. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Get Clear Thinking sent to your device by subscribing to the Reasons to Believe podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and most podcast services. For Ken Samples and Dave Rogstad, this is Joe Aguirre with a reminder that the goal of apologetics is not victory, but truth. Thanks for listening, and join us for the next edition of Clear Thinking.
2: Thank you for listening. Your prayers and financial support are reaching people with reasons for faith in Jesus Christ, our Creator and Savior. To allow Reasons to Believe programs like this to continue, make your gift today at reasons.org.